Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Roadie Roundtable presented by Lakeside Players. My name is Norgie. And I'm Alex. And we are happy to have you today. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are specifically talking about um, Avenue Q as we are um, marching towards opening date, which is in just a couple of weeks or a few weeks, however you look at it. And so what we're looking at doing is talking to the various members of the cast and crew just to get different perspectives and different uh, conversations going about the show. So today we are joined by uh, one of the cast members of Avenue Q. Her name is Alyssa Stearns. Thanks for joining us, Alyssa. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And Alyssa will be playing Christmas Eve. So for those who are maybe not aware of what Avenue Q is, as we've discussed in a previous episode, it's an adult rated R parody of Sesame Street. And Christmas Eve, I would say, is kind of the (laughs) mentor character, even though she is very hilariously written. She's very much the character that's kind of imparting wisdom on all of the other characters as they're going through their various struggles. Um, so Alyssa, tell us, tell us about you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, and to add on to that, I really like that Christmas Eve kind of takes on that immigrant parent role. Um, and just, you know, even though she has no kids herself, she, like you said, tries to impart her, sage wisdom on the people around her um in a very funny way in yes. a really funny way hilarious yes especially when it's not like how i was raised by my mom necessarily um yeah. my mom's also an immigrant parent um so <laughs> yeah a little different but well that's a good segue so um why don't we get into kind of who you are and what brought you to the roadie yeah so um i came to the roadie a little over a year ago um i auditioned for the Wizard of Oz, and um, I was just always really drawn to live theater. I loved, I had a lot of friends who did it growing up, and um, also friends who did it like in their adulthood or their like early adulthood, and I was like, that looks really fun, but I was always too nervous to try it. I was like, I don't really have any formal vocal training, and I had music training. I I played the violin, so I was classically trained, but um, but one day I just decided to give it a try and audition. So I got an ensemble role in Wizard of Oz and I've just been in shows on and off ever since for the last like year and a half. Do you still play the violin? Just curious. Yes. Cool. I do. It's a hard instrument to play. It's tough. Yeah. Um, I took lessons growing up actually, not until I got to like middle school. Um, I was, I just got involved with orchestra through like my school and realized I liked it and I wanted to get better at it. So I took some lessons and was really good. And then when I got to college, I transitioned more into like choir and singing just to kind of get more experience in that. And then that eventually led me here. Violin is my favorite instrument to listen to. And it's always, well, okay, I'm going to qualify that. I actually think cello is. 
the cello is beautiful. It's like the closest like thing to a human voice that an yeah. instru instrument can produce. When I was teaching myself how to sing, I used to listen to cellos and try to imitate the cello sound, which is why I have a very cello sounding vibrato. Um, because oh, that's, that's how cool. I, I used to teach myself just trying to imitate that. Yeah. Um, and I have always said if I were to, if something were to happen to my voice, I would want to learn either violin or cello. Well, I can give you lessons if you pick violin. Heck I know yeah. basic cello, but I can't really give you like techniques. I just know like where to put your fingers and, <laughs> right. um, and how to use how a to bow. Use, yeah. How to use a bow, things like that. So if you could learn any instrument, it would be cello cello yeah cool that's interesting too because i um i'm a mezzo soprano usually so and violin is kind of qualified as like a soprano or mezzo soprano instrument if you want to think of it that way in yeah. terms of like registers oh i love that so yeah. you said that you started here about a year ago which is it's it's actually kind of cool because um alex and i have talked before that alex started a little over a year ago i started just about a year ago and now you so yep. mm -hmm. how about that because both of you your first show was Wizard, of, Wizard Oz. of Oz. That's correct. How yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, which was a great production. Um, but aside from doing Wizard of Oz, what else have you done here? Because you haven't done anything else theatrically outside of doing this here. I have not. Wizard of Oz was my acting debut. So um, immediately after Wizard of Oz, I decided I wanted to keep the momentum going. So I <clears throat> auditioned for Beauty and the Beast and I got into that as a fee de la ville or a silly girl, which was really fun. Um, and then I've also done Charlie Brown, which was my first, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, which was my first um, play that I did. So up until that point, I had only done musicals and now we're here doing Avenue Q and that's my fourth, my fourth production. Isn't it... Um I mean, it's really cool that you, Alyssa, and you, Alex, outside of doing stuff here, don't have any prior um, theater experience, but, like, you get here, and um, automatically you're in heavy hitter shows doing heavy hitter stuff, and I, I love that so much because um, without so sounding condescending or patronizing, I've basically seen both of you go from unsure of yourself on stage to, like, I think I got the hang of this. And the two of you have been very, very integral parts of every production you've been in. So, um, and Alyssa, you were just in, um, a Charlie Brown Christmas as Schroeder, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was so fun. It was fun getting to play a musician in like a, as like a theatrical role because, you know, <clears throat> I've been used to doing that my whole life. I just, like I said, play the violin, not the piano, but, it was cool getting to portray that on stage, knowing, like, having, like, the music knowledge that I have. Plus, your Ellen DeGeneres wig was fierce. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was very surprised uh, during rehearsal for Avenue Q, like, last week, Norgie brought out a puppet wearing the Schroeder wig, and I was like, is that the Schroeder wig? <laughs> yeah, so was, that was a surprise. I was trying to film something, and I'm like, well, this is... This is uh, girly enough and it, it didn't translate well on film but um didn't you put it on the old lady puppet too i did i did i, did. I just needed because the old lady puppet i picked had very tight sort of um old lady curls yeah like almost like estelle getty from from mm -hmm. uh golden girls. golden girls thank you and i'm like i need because the other puppet i was using had um tight curls too i'm like i need this to look more feminine so i put that wig on there and eh, it, yeah, it was it was something. Yeah, it was something. Um, no, you have been because we've been in 
almost all your shows together in one form or another. Um, and it was, it's been very cool for me to see you go from being a poppy to then being like a silly girl, which is, you know, a named ensemble part. And you're like, your talent has just grown and grown and grown and been more showcased. Yeah. Like we've seen you kind of go from the background to the foreground in a very cool way. And like I have said many times, you are my favorite part of Avenue Q. (laughs) Your character is the most hilariously written. And also you are just such a good singer that your voice is fulfilling every aspect of that music for me because Christmas Eve is of everybody, the powerhouse singer of the show. I think, I think she has the most moments that are standing center stage belting to the audience. So, and you really handle that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That actually means a lot because yeah, overall being in all of these shows that I've been, I've, I've learned different things along the way, along the process. Like there's always, and even now after having, a year ish of experience under my belt. There's still a lot of things that I'm learning. And I think one of those things is just getting a little bit more comfortable with belting and really like showing off my pipes because I know I got them, but I'm also more accustomed to singing in like a choir where I'm not really not. Yes. It's more right. It's more blending. It's singing with a really big ensemble with a chorus. And so when I'm up there and I have, you know, this big power ballad, a solo, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I actually like high belt? And it turns out I can, Yeah. but it's, th- it's just realizing that and being more comfortable with it. I think also, because one thing that we haven't stated yet is you're one of what, three non-puppet characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you have to essentially fight for attention in a sense, because as a non-puppet character, you've got puppets around you and people are automatically drawn to puppets which are big they're mm-hmm. they're silly they're animated they're colorful and so to have to sort of and I, and I don't mean this in a negative way compete um to be on stage and get the attention is not an easy thing to do can you talk about like what's it like to work with the puppets in the show um oh gosh it's it's new and it's challenging in a lot of ways like for one thing uh, like Alex said, I kind of started out as like a poppy and an Aussian and Wizard of Oz. And I was just used to kind of being planted in one spot on stage and mainly like upstage, like sort of in the back. And so now I have this director telling me to like use more real estate on stage and like go more towards the front, go downstage, go right on the edge. And it's it's weird for me to do that and to have to remember to sh- like kind of share and also fight for space on stage with the puppets. And... I mean, the fact that they're puppets and I have to, I've had to get used to talking like at the puppet and not the person, mm-hmm. especially since like these are actors that I've worked with before and I want to be looking at them and making eye contact with them and enjoying like that aspect of performing with them. But got to look at the puppets. I will say that so. has been a really, I think we take that for granted. Um, the fact that like when you're on stage with someone, you're typically looking at that person and acting with that person. But when you have this puppet on your hand, Sometimes you forget, like, oh, I have to open the mouth, and I the the, yeah. the character is the puppet; yeah. it's not me, and so the puppet has to do the acting and the eye contact and everything. So that's a very strange 
um, thing to get used to. And I think we should also note at this point in the conversation that Norgie and myself are also in Avenue Q. Um, so Norgie is playing Trekkie Monster, who is the Cookie Monster analog in the show. He's the parody. And I am playing Princeton, who is another puppet character. He is the new guy in town. So we are coming at this conversation from people also participating in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say, like, the most difficult part for me so far has been, like, trying to balance remembering my lines, remembering my blocking, remembering my line in the song that I'm supposed to sing, and moving the mouth, Mm -hmm. and moving the hand, and making sure I'm interacting with the other puppets versus the other people and like where to put my arm so that the puppet is most visible and Mm -hmm. trying to get used to the fact that this is one of the few shows where it's okay to block my face with the puppet Mm -hmm. because that is usually like a big no-no in theater so i can't imagine what it's like to be a human and having to only interact with the puppets when all of the emotional effects are coming from our faces because the puppet's faces are unmoving. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Except for the mouths flapping or, yeah. you know, us adjusting the, they're looking down or they're looking up. We can't really emote with the, with the eyes or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watch you guys and it seems, you know, like, like you're having fun with the puppets and everything. And so there's two sides where I'm like, okay, on one hand, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I had a puppet. Puppet, it looks fun, you know, and they're cute. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, I don't envy you guys because it's a lot of mental gymnastics to have to do while on stage. And remembering my blocking's been, you know, hard enough because like I said, I have a little bit more of a stage forward role now. So I'm like, okay, wait, where am I supposed to be? Like, and to have a puppet, I don't know, that would be tough. And a huge shout out to anyone who's done this show before professional puppeteers on like Sesame street or other shows Mm -hmm. that do this for a living. And they do this all the time. It's hard even for a rehearsal where we're just running one act or whatever, where you're holding your arm up in that position and flapping your hand to work the mouth. That is like my arm burns right now. Just, Mm -hmm. just talking about it and they're doing it not only just every day, but they're doing it in awkward positions. They have to lay down. They have to squat down and hold it over a wall. So I, I'm, yes. that is so hard. Well, and think about having to do a puppet like Big Bird, how huge that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, my puppet's only maybe two, three pounds. And by the end of this show, my right bicep is going to be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> One-eyed, one-armed Popeye. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because okay. with with uh, Big Bird, um, he was... The, the puppeteer was in the, the suit, and it was one arm that he'd reach up to work the mouth. And then the other arm was working like these um, these levers to work the arms and stuff like that. And then, obviously, you have to look at the monitor to see what you're looking at. So that, I mean, man. Um, so one of the things Alex talked about earlier, um, Alyssa, was um, your character is Asian. And yes. sort of the... Um, I don't want to say straight man, but like almost like the conscience of the show, the glue, because um, while all of this stuff is going on and some of it is silly, some of it is um, a little bit um, exaggerated, um, a lot of this stuff is very relatable. You know, Princeton being the new guy in town and trying to figure out where, how things in life are going to work and school and a job and love. And and, Trekkie dealing with addiction. Yes. Um, (laughs) And also... um, also, the real um, issue, uh, one big issue in the show that I think doesn't get talked about a lot is um, 
prejudice and mm-hmm. I, I guess you'd call it racism because there are a couple of moments in the show where it's talked about where people don't like certain puppets because they're monsters or something like that. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. tell us about playing an Asian character in the show and sort of how your life experience or your experience growing up sort of um, helps lend itself to the character. Yeah. So a, a quick thing about um, Christmas Eve for anyone who doesn't know. So she is a Japanese immigrant um, who actually, as you'll, as if you come and see the show, you'll find out that she was stuck working in a Korean deli. You better come see the for show. For a little bit. Please come see the show. <laughs> um, and so there there are a couple of moments in the show where like her things about her culture are very highlighted and kind of like made fun of a little bit things like her accent or just like I, yeah the way she talks um and being a person who is half of asian descent i'm half filipino um you know some of my experiences really lend themselves to playing this character because um just there have been times in my life where if I've been in like a rural part of Wisconsin, like small town Wisconsin, sometimes like especially with when I'm with my mom because my mom is full Filipino, we get looked at funny because we're brown. Um, so, you yeah. Tell me. <laughs> so like, yeah, there's definitely been experiences. I kind of got called names when I was in school for, you know, the way that I look, some of my facial features like being a little bit darker, like olive toned skin. So I feel for her a little bit, but I really think she takes it in stride and she doesn't, Christmas Eve doesn't let it like get to her too much. She just kind of goes on and being herself and keeping everybody on Avenue Q in line. And well, and she, yeah, and she also kind of like whips everybody into shape. She mm-hmm. does. Like, she's a whippersnapper. When, when the racism is directed at her, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Yeah. She <laughs> doesn't like, accept it. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I love that about Christmas Eve. And I also, I think for me, what's the funniest about Christmas Eve is her her funny bits are not necessarily like jokes. They're not set up punchline. What is funny is because she's kind of that straight man and wisdom dealer, she's cutting through all the silliness with this blunt remark that is just so yes. pointed. She says exactly what's on her mind. She doesn't have a no filter. Gateway. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, this is how it is. Yeah. But also, one thing you brought up earlier, Alex, which I, I really um, appreciate and want to talk about a little bit is, um, and this, this tends to be a thing in ethnic households and not, not exclusively ethnic households, but... Um, ethnic households tend to have sort of the grandmother mother figure where um, you know she's very known in the neighborhood she's she cares about other people's kids and and um, the welfare and well-being of other kids so sometimes she's kind of like the 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 mother goose of the of the neighborhood and I kind of feel like that's that's kind of what Christmas Eve is in this show um, a lot is that person she is such a great matriarch figure for sure just to everybody to all of her neighbors even when you know they piss her off she still loves them and cares about them and wants to set them straight and just make sure they're on a straight and narrow path to being happy and successful except Nikki because he's leaving pubes on the soap yeah which is the worst (laughs) you know all she wants is for her apartment to be kept neat and tidy she works so hard you know she's a she's a therapist she's trying to get clients she just wants her house to be kept tidy that's all she also wants i don't think that's asking for too much you guys (laughs) 
Um, yes. that, that brings up another parallel to your own life because Christmas Eve in the show has her master's degree um, and is a therapist. So, and I know you as well have your master's degree and are a speech therapist. So can you talk about that parallel and how that... Makes- I only have one degree though. She has two. She's so smart. Oh, oh why are we her. interviewing you then? <laughs> Let's cut this right now. <laughs> Bye guys. Only I'm not one. qualified for this. Um, no. So yeah, Christmas Eve is a mental health therapist in the show and I am a speech therapist actually. So that's, that's another really cool similarity that we have. Um, yeah. And she, she's so like there for people. She wants to help them no matter how much help they need. And that's kind of how I feel too. Like when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was just like, I just want to be there for people. You know, I'm always been kind of a people person. So, and I really liked, um, languages like just learning languages in high school and linguistics and so I coupled that with like my fascination of just people studying people and became a speech therapist that's one thing I will say like from what I know of you as well and I think that lends itself very very well to Christmas Eve is you are a very caring person you have that part of your spirit that really does want to be there and you want to you like you're very conscious of like the social stuff happening in our world right now and so you're always the first person to like ask what are your pronouns what do you what can I do for you that will make you feel respected as a person um, I know for myself, like I've been stressed out trying to paint the set for this and you were the first person to jump up and offer I have a friend who can come and help you paint um yeah shout out to john heinzman if you're watching this yeah i look forward to working with you um so yeah listening yeah wait wait, there's nothing to watch sorry (laughs) listening i I think that that caringness lends itself to the caringness of christmas eve even though she's being very blunt and straightforward it's very i want to help maybe i'm wrong about this and this is just an observation i feel like realistically she's the most relatable person in the show i agree um because she talks about real problems she deals with real problems relationship problems helping her friends having um, a fat fiance right (laughs) who doesn't have a job and is trying to figure out his little slice of like there's a lot of things that christmas eve um deals with in the show that you're like yeah that that seems relatable even though it's 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 written to be funny it's not funny situations it's just that her reactions and her um her dialogue is funny because it's just funny but um i think that she's probably the most relatable person in the show for that reason yeah yeah i think that's really true and you know especially the part where she talks about the fact that she is educated and she is qualified as a therapist but she's having a hard time finding clients she's having a hard time actually putting her degree to use and finding work and that's like a real problem i think for a lot of people in especially you know here in the united states right now just yeah for 2024 i saw something where they're projecting like not as many available jobs yeah but and we're talking about new york too where yes you know where you go to to live a big life or where your dreams come true that kind of thing and if you're Mm -hmm. having trouble in new york especially with two master's degrees you know yeah um and another thing that speaks to her caringness um that i really appreciate about christmas eve is she she does make fun of her fiance a lot, but <laughs> yeah, she, she sticks with him. Like the love there is real. She sticks with him regardless of the fact that 
he maybe doesn't know where he's going yeah um or he doesn't necessarily have his life lined up and she struggles with him versus like just i mean she berates him the whole time but (laughs) with love right yeah and you know i can i can see it a little bit i viewed life through the lens of brian before myself actually because there was a time you know in in the last like few years especially when we were dealing with the pandemic and everything was shut down and we had to kind of change the way that we lived for a little bit um I was really having a hard time in my career and like staying in a job without my mental health being completely like scrambled and ruined because we were working remote as teachers. I used to be a speech pathologist in the schools um, and it was really hard. My mental health definitely took a toll and I actually had to take a break from the field a little bit and step away and just work um, as a barista in a coffee shop for a little bit. And I started to wonder like, okay, what is my path in life now? Like I'm purpose, I, purpose. What is my purpose in life? Um, What's a purpose? <laughs> a purpose gives you meaning in life. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel for Brian too, a lot as a character. And there was a time when I was just uh, either not working or just working and making very little money before I was ready to, step back into the field and yeah and put my skills to use again so yeah i'm hoping on a future episode we can get one of the brian's on so that we can talk because one thing i love about brian is his character is kind of the character that is just pursuing his passion i just this is i have a dream i really want to go for this dream and it's not working right now but that doesn't mean i'm going to give up and then he does eventually Christmas Eve kind of makes him grow up a little bit and he does eventually settle down and get a real career. But most of the show... Yes, he you get is, the real job, please. He's yeah, going for it. He's going for his yeah. dream. And so it's kind of that nice juxtaposition of, for my character, Princeton, who is lost. He's fresh out of college and doesn't know what he's doing. On the one side, I have Brian, who is pursuing passion. And then on the other side, I have Christmas Eve, who is the pragmatic one who already kind of knows a little bit of what she wants. It's just not working for her at the moment. Yes. And she's a little jaded because I've got two degrees and I can't get a job. What do you know? Yeah. What yeah. do I know from, from that? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so given that your theater experience is, I don't want to say minimal, but it's, 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 it's small because I'm you're still st- pretty green. Yeah. Yes. Um, or new. I don't want to say mm-hmm. green because um, I I don't think I've ever seen you be green. <laughs> um, but um, are there any shows that you would love, like a dream role or a dream show that you would love to do or be in? I've recently been inspired um, to one day be Janice Ian and Mean Girls. I think that would mm. be a really fun role for me. She has a lot of really fun like power ballads in that yeah. and um I just think the sh- like the show is really funny. Um that being said, I only saw the one that's in theaters right now and I haven't seen it live yet, but I'm sure it's even better live because of course it is. Um I also would really love to be in Chicago. I don't even need like to be a specific like um, lead or principal role in that. I just want to be in it, like ensemble. Like the music is just so fun. Yeah. And the choreography looks so fun too. And I don't even really, like choreography wasn't always like my favorite part of doing shows, um, but it just looks so fun that I want to do it. Yeah. And I know that one's very specific um, 
Got to do Bob Fosse. Yeah, you when you're purchasing the rights for Chicago, you're also you're specifically purchasing the rights to the Bob Fosse choreography. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it's like you have to do their music and you have to do their choreography. It's not like you can choreograph it yourself. So that's so then at least you know like what to expect when you do the show because you've seen it before. You got to yeah, do the same choreography. Then you have to have a choreographer who's capable of Fosse. Yeah. of like implementing it yeah. yeah so that's one thing that i'm still not really that well versed in is like all of the technicalities and the bureaucratic stuff that like goes on like behind the scenes and even behind all the rehearsals like the getting the rights to stuff and all of that i'm like i'm still clueless when it comes to all that yeah like that's what, that process that's something i would love to do an episode on because it is a very fascinating part of theater yes and um I know we have a few people here who are pretty well versed in that aspect of yeah. it that I think could give us some great insights. And I, um, I wish that, um, I wish that, um, it was as simple as, Oh, we want to do the show. And then like, Oh, okay, we're doing the show. Yeah. Um, but obviously there are people who own the rights and you have to get all that stuff figured out. So yeah, there's a lot of red tape and in some cases bureaucracy, but, um, Chicago is an exception. There's not a ton of shows where like you get the rights and you're like, okay, you have to do this choreography because this, this, that, and the other thing. Um, Chicago mm. is, is, is an exception, I think in that rule. Yeah. And I one think the, the only other one I can think of is school of rock. They require you to play, um, live instruments yes. and you can't just have a track or something. Yeah. And like yeah. the people on stage have to be playing the instruments. You yeah. Can't so whoever, so whoever's playing Dewey, Finn, the, the Jack Black character, you have to know how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And then the kids in the school who end up making up the band, they have to know how to play instruments too. So yeah. I'm sure that is a phenomenal musical to see live. I would love to see that show. Yeah, I um, agree. Um, to take it back to Avenue Q, so far, what is your favorite part of the show that you, like, is it, it can be a line, it can be a piece of music. <laughs> couple favorite parts and I'm laughing because one of them is the one where I'm yelling at Nikki about leaving his green pubic hairs on my soap. Oh, it's yeah. just so funny. And that part is like, I, I end my part in that scene by walking away, sh- swearing in Japanese. And like, I did <laughs> look up some Japanese swear words, but I'm also swearing in Tagalog a little bit too, because that's that. one of the languages or at least like one of the dialects of Filipino. Yeah. So, um, and most yeah, of our really audience funny. isn't going to know that they're difference. not going to know. My mom will know. She'll hear it. She'll she laugh. understands Tagalog and she'll laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Does being, has being in a show that has such adult themes been like a challenge for you, especially, um, mine and your character have rather explicit scene right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that part specifically, it's different. I don't know if I would say it's like challenging. It's just different than what we're used to because we've all like all the shows we've done are mostly like kid appropriate and especially like like PG geared, you know, like they're specifically attracting kids to come and see it. But um, this is not that show. This is not that show. Do not bring your children, please, for the love of God. Um, You'll get turned away. You will. You we they're IDing people. They're well, your people kids will get turned away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll be left on the streets. Yeah, go sit in the cars in here. I'm still watching this show. Yeah, yeah. I paid my twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that part is definitely different. But I don't know. I've actually been kind of able to lean into it and like have a little bit more fun with it than I kind of expected. Um, and also, 
it's not like, sure, there's like the explicit, like very R-rated parts, but we just, like we were talking about earlier, we talk about issues that are so relatable for adults and like the song, I Wish I Could Go Back to College. Like, I love that song so much. Not only are the harmonies really pretty, I'm not even in this scene, but like, it's just such a beautiful song. And I also, you know, the Alyssa from like a couple of years ago who was struggling in her career can really relate to that. Like, I wish I could just go back to college and like redo it all and maybe go into something else. So like nowadays I'm really happy with where I'm at and that I, I'm happy. I'm happy. I decided to go back to the field, but there were times where I was doubting that a little bit and questioning. So there is one thing about this show that I think deserves to be said. And, and you just kind of brought it up, Alyssa, which is it's surprising how good the music is mm-hmm. for this um, very adult comedic puppet show. There's a lot of really good songs yeah. that are earworms but also have complex harmonies and and um instrumentation and and yeah strange just, timing yeah it's six four for any of you musicians out there we have one that's in six four like i've never done that before and then doesn't it jump to six eight i thought it jumped i think to that's four four maybe maybe it does all of those time signatures i don't know i think mixtape goes from six four to six eight mixtape is six four two i did not know that because that's when she's well i can't really wow. sing it i was gonna i was about yeah. to sing i can't really sing it for copyright purposes but <laughs> yeah come see the show and you you know yeah you'll see the strange timing right that's um, for sure so another um, thing is we do have two casts for this show and your fiance is being played by two people. Yes, I have two husbands. Yay. <laughs> so has there been a challenge for you in like developing your chemistry for the two different Brian's or are you kind of keeping your character the same for both and letting them react to you in their own way? God, I haven't even like specifically thought about what I'm doing for that. But yeah, I am just kind of being the same. And like, maybe this is due to my inexperience, but I'm kind of going along with whatever they do. Um, And also, I think it's just hard for me because I've never, this is the first show I've been in where I have like a, my character has a stable partner. Yeah. And like that I'm, that I'm comfortable with. Cause in beauty and the beast, I was pining for Gaston and he never noticed me naturally. It's so sad. <laughs> he did elbow you a bunch of times in oh, the blackout yeah. though. Yeah, I, yeah. It was, I felt bad because we'd go out in a blackout to get ready for a scene where the silly girls are like all over Gaston. And I was always elbowing, um, Alyssa or Katie and I felt horrible. Oh, you I'm stepped like, on Caitlin that one time. <laughs> well, Cause he's Godzilla. <laughs> When you don't have my money, that's what happens. <laughs> so for me, I guess to answer your question, I have to just even, I have to work on getting past like the idea of being like more romantic and like touchy with like, like a, like a partner in a show. So I have to get through that first and then, you know, be c- more comfortable with characterizing myself to be visibly in love with someone else. Yeah. I, this is my first time um, having to work with a scene partner who's being played by two different people. And I'm finding that getting the chemistry between the two of them is not that hard. I mean, I basically am, am the same Princeton to each one of them, but there right. are certain logistical parts that are different. Like, Allison is much smaller than Jamie. And so our positioning during the 
B you know song, yeah. um, which you will all know if you come see. Basically, let's just say Puppet Love. Um, <laughs> puppet Love. And there is a lot of <laughs> positioning that has to be done that oh, requires yeah. <laughs> that requires our bodies to move. And because one person is so much smaller than the other, it makes a whole different challenge trying to get... Because that's the other thing. The positions require our arms to be a certain way for the puppets. And I got old man, 31 year old joints up here. You know, it sucks to be me. um, (laughs) And I can't really move my arms. So sometimes my puppet is like sideways when he should not be sideways, if you understand. (laughs) God. Uh, I just, I don't know. I see it and I laugh because it's hilarious. Yeah, me me. too. I liked it when it was the two old people puppets. That was hilarious (laughs) to me. The stand in puppets. Yeah. So the funny. rehearsal rehearsal puppets yeah <laughs> someone's yeah. got a camel the other person has a goose or yeah there was a frog yeah oh there was a whole aesop's fables yeah. <laughs> thing happening going on there oh my goodness gracious yeah there's a lot of things in this show that um you know and i don't i i don't have to i'm the only person playing my character in the show but um in many scenes uh, Trekkie's puppet has to be um, handled by two people. So it's me and one other person, and the other person playing um, that's working Trekkie is significantly taller than me, mm. and I'm not a small guy by any means, so it, it definitely proves to be challenging because hard enough working the puppet just on its own, but then you got to figure out you know, um, the logistics and, and standing next to each other and choreography when you've got another person that you essentially have to think in tandem with. And that, that, that provides another nuance of complication and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if slash how we're going to do you being up in the second story of the apartment building with a second person there. I think it's only going to be just me. Oh, okay. Because it's very crowded, and up he'll there. join you on the on the bottom. Yeah, because there's no point in having two arms, um, right? And I hope I'm not giving too much away, but yeah, it's 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 tough to be me up there. <laughs> Sucks to I, be you. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, you win. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I don't think we could both fit in that space just to work the puppet in the window that we have up there. I mean, yeah. if we could, great. But like, it's 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 pretty it's pretty tight up there. It my, is. So, but, um, yeah. And as you were talking about before, uh, having, uh, Brian, your fiance in the show, um, played by two different characters and both very talented as is very talented. Um, so that's the nice thing is you have that consistency. They're both very, um, consistent and talented and stuff. Neither of which are fat, even though you call them lazy fat ass the whole show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess compared to Christmas Eve, they're. Yeah. They're, you know. I'm just a little guy. <laughs> I'm just a nugget. <laughs> um, but shout out to Brian playing Brian and Kevin playing Brian, both very yes. talented guys. I yep. love both my husbands dearly, <laughs> even though I berate them and tell them to get their lazy fat asses up and get a job. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, go go get jobs, you bums. Yeah. Um, so we talked about um, working with puppets and... Uh, and just how difficult that can be. Is there anything about this show that you're you wish you didn't have to do, or 
um, that I guess is difficult or that you were like, eh, this is this is too hard or I wish I could um, change the way that this happens? I know that's a that's a very complicated question. So, uh... and if the answer is no, that's fine. I just I just wonder because like Alex and I were talking about having to work the arms is very yes. exhausting, very, very exhausting. Having to coordinate your, your arm with flapping the mouth and the, the eye contact. Do you have any of those kinds of pains um, as far as uh, your character? Um, I guess the only thing, it's, and it's not even like really complain, it's just something that I personally struggle with. I honestly struggle with the accent sometimes, which is so funny. <laughs> um, like sometimes with certain words, I just can't get like my R's and my L's to flip correctly, or there's just too many R's and L's to flip. And like, sometimes I don't know if it's like my cadence or something, but I start to sound a little Indian when I'm not meaning to mm. and not like Japanese, Asian, like East Asian. Um, so that's like, I don't know, really the only thing. And like, if anything, I've physically, I've had an easier time in this show because I'm coming from, well, I'm coming from Charlie Brown and like, staging and blocking and choreography wise that was pretty like simple to get my head around but like beauty and the beast the choreography was like Tough. aerobic exercise and i that was very good like, choreography though it was oh, beautiful yeah. it was beautiful there was so much like ballet incorporated into it and i just it was once i got the hang of it it was wonderful and very fun to perform but learning it was definitely challenging um and i i like that this show is like a little bit like less involved choreography wise yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those to give a little context when she's speaking of her accent. So Christmas Eve is written like literally written in the script to have the most stereotypically Asian accent. Japanese yes. accent. Yes. Yeah. It's very much like your R's and your L's are switched, um, which that is a big challenge, especially since you're not mm. used to speaking like that. I'm right. And I'm not. It helps having like a, a speech language pathology background and a linguistics background. So I really can think of like, you know, the shapes that I'm making in my mouth and with my tongue and everything to like make that happen. But sometimes it's still hard to get my brain and my mouth to connect and talk and yeah. make it sound correct. When you have to say recyclables. Recyclables. You have to take out the recyclables. Come back here. Yeah. What's yeah. that? What's, what's that? What's that? <laughs> I can't imagine because that, that seems like a made up word. <laughs> I know I had to practice it like a couple times because I was like, wait, how is this supposed to sound? And then I actually help, help what helped me the most is listening to her say it in like the track, oh, okay. the original Broadway track and just watching her and figuring out how she does it. So I'm very similar. I tend to watch the, the recordings of performances to mm -hmm. help learn my lines. That's the other thing with Christmas Eve. You have quite a few like little monologue -y moments. I do. And I was really scared about those. I was like, how am I going to memorize this? And I just had to kind of like chunk it and take it apart. Um, and it was fine. And what's been surprising me is like kind of the more medium sized lines or the quick, like very two or three word lines. Can, I can forget sometimes that's, you have a lot of lines in the show that's as Princeton. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, and this is where I was about to say, that is what I learned with Cowardly Lion. A lot of times for me, it is the monologue lines I get the easiest. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's the reactive lines, like the yeah, 
Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, with a monologue, it's a train of thought, right? It's one yeah. one True. fluid train of thought. So it's easier to just sort of build off of that train of thought. Whereas when you have a line almost out of context where you're reacting, like you said, Alex, or you have a couple lines to um, to add to the conversation, sometimes you get so focused on listening to what is going on, you get enthralled with it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I do have a couple of lines here. So it's it's not mm-hmm. out of sorts to think it's easier to memorize monologues. I mean, and, and it sounds backwards because a monologue is usually an entire page of, of uh, a solid thought. But like when you have a yeah or an okay or ouch that hurt or ow mm-hmm. my tail, it <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's yeah. And I'm notorious for standing there and staring at somebody on stage like, you have a line and they're like, no, it's yours. No, and I'm like, oh, it's me. It is. <laughs> no, that's you. <laughs> um, I didn't. Yeah. And I didn't realize that about Christmas Eve, um, that she does have some some pretty significant um, dialogue in the show. Yeah, because that all goes back to you being the wisdom imparter. A lot of your monologues are coming down to you giving advice to a character. Right. And like kind of breaking down the situation in that scene and, and explaining it. In fact, and I've told you this, you have my favorite moment in the show. So one of the characters <laughs> is a, um, he's a closeted gay man and he is a Republican and an investment banker. And he's coming to you for advice about, and he's like, he's like, I have this friend and he's a Republican. And you're like, <laughs> What's wrong with being gay? You go on this big, nice thing about lots of gay people have incorporated so much to like the world. And then he's like, but I, he's a Republican and investment baker. He's like, oh, he's good for nothing. Tell him to stay in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so funny. And that's as you and I are both part of the LGBTQ, IA, QRL, yeah. PM, FBI. Go alphabet mafia. <laughs> yeah. For a second, I was like, QR, oh, yeah. QRL. Okay. Um, <laughs> And so I just love the way that this show takes the piss out of that while simultaneously, (laughs) because what she says just prior to that is so kind. And so like, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with you being gay. It was more so the Republican and investment baker part that made her change her mind than the gay part. She was like, oh God, you're one of those gays. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So that for me is hysterical as a gay man. Um, I lost the rest of my train of thought, so... No, I think I think that's true. I mean, leading up to that line, her intentions were very, very pure. Like, what's wrong with someone being gay? There's nothing wrong with him being gay. Yeah. Why can't you live your life as a person who's gay? It wasn't until the Republican investment. Mayor, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And this is <laughs> never not, mind then. <laughs> this is not us as podcasters casting aspersions on Republicans or investment bankers. Right. It is a joke in the show it's and a joke. it's it's the way that it's delivered it's makes it so funny because it's such a jump from her being so kind to now this right. blunt like no complete actually complete <laughs> 180. Yeah. Complete 180. And it's so surprising because here she was being this sweet like hey, what's wrong with someone being gay to oh, well of course, he's a Republican investment pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Avenue Q, um, the musical, runs here at um, uh, the Roadie Center for the Arts, um, presented by the Lakeside Players. It opens February 16th, and it runs for three weekends until March 2nd. Um, tickets are $20 a piece, um, and if you are a student or a senior, they're $18 a piece. And uh, what Alex was saying earlier is 
the show has two casts. Um, we had a lot of very talented people show up to audition for the show. Yeah. And so um, the casts were split in two. So you'll you'll have some people that are in both casts as their characters, and then you'll have people who are just their character in a specific cast on specific dates. But you also have people who are in a cast that when they're not their character on their performance dates, they're different characters or doing different things mm-hmm. um, on the um, subsequent performance dates. So you'll always see the people that aren't necessarily in that cast because they're usually on stage doing something. But there's a lot of talented people in the show, both um, on stage, backstage. We have a great pit band um, led by Joe Cardamone um, that we're so excited to to perform with this band this, I mean, yeah this is my first time performing with a, a live uh pit band i am so excited for that experience this is also my first time and i've sat in just on the two rehearsals that they've had here they sound amazing i'm so excited to be on stage with them also yesterday you weren't i don't think you were here for it but the guy brought his drums and the the symbols he uses for all of your like the part in the racism song where you go to the front of the center stage the, they do this like little gong thing with the symbols oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny uh, i'm sorry that was my real laugh <laughs> oh i'm so excited for that that's hilarious so many great bits in this show that yeah. just Oh, and there's there's something in it for everyone. Like there's yeah. something you're gonna laugh really hard at. There's something you're gonna relate to. Like if you don't come, you'll be so sad that you missed it. It's just so good. Yeah, and and one thing I will say is come into this with an open mind and kind of check your biases at the door because this show is going to take the piss out of everyone. Yes. It's not PC. It's but not. It's, it's satire, you know. Yeah, and it it does it. I think in a funny and also interestingly profound way yeah it's a silly show with heart though because it it really is it kind of puts all of these adult things through the lens of like a child uh, teaching a child about these things yeah and so like when you think about the everyone's a little bit racist song on the when you hear that title you're like oh no not that and and the song itself is written very like that but also when you step back and think about it you're like i see where this is coming from yeah like, it's it's it like it's a reality forces people to really like turn inwards and like think of their own biases yes. and yeah. just stare them plainly in the face yeah and what i what i appreciate about the way it's done um because christmas eve is not the only specifically ethnic person in the show we also right. have gary coleman who mm-hmm. is black and in the everybody's everyone's a little bit racist song it's not just a whole bunch of white people on stage singing about being racist because i think that would be wrong and bad but it's the fact that everybody the monsters the people the people of color everybody Mm -hmm. comes out and everybody has their moment to be like well crap i guess i am a little bit racist yeah right it and like Alyssa said it it sort of has everyone take a inverted look at themselves, but also realize that we can laugh at ourselves too. Yeah. Um, yes. Because there are things about um, our everyday lives, whether we're part of a specific ethnicity or, or culture, 
that um are on their on their when you turn them on their ear they're funny they're not yeah. they're not funny because we're being like um what do you call it, derogatory or or you know um making uh light of 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 everything that you of history. stand for in history but it's just it's funny because like oh yeah i guess that is kind of funny or oh yeah i guess i we do do that or i do like do some that. stereotypes really check out you know sure yeah. like i can i can safely say that every single filipino household has a karaoke machine in it and it's not like i'm not making i, I am making fun of filipino families but i am filipino and it's just true that's so, based on your own experience. It is. Yeah. Right. That's a tradition America should pick up. I'm saying. I p- Particularly, let's put them in the hallways of malls so that you can have those <laughs> moments. Because I, th- I um, love I think when Filipino you... malls, like in the Philippines, <laughs> they do have like little just karaoke places. You I know. Go. I see everywhere. them on TikTok. <laughs> karaoke is so accessible over there. They used to, and I don't know if they do anymore, but used to go into malls and they'd have these booths that you could go in. It's like a small recording booth. And you'd pick a song like a karaoke song and you'd sing it into the microphone and it would record and you'd get a copy of the song that you recorded. Right. They don't, I, don't, I haven't seen one in a long time, but they used to do those and like it'd be a good way to go and like, oh, I can record a demo or something. But yeah. I wish more places still did that. I know Gurney Mills used to have one. I don't think it's there anymore, but. No, definitely not. Um, I would have found it. <laughs> I'd live there. Yeah. <laughs> Moving. So I have a question because. At the end of the day, this is the Roadie Roundtable podcast. Mm-hmm. And so all of your experience, as you stated before, has been here at the Roadie. What is it about the Roadie that brings you back time and time again? Is it convenience or is it a love for just the environment? Or what is it that brings you back here so oh, often? Oh, I love that question so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I grew up in Kenosha. I'm not originally from Kenosha. I'm from Janesville, actually, but my family relocated here back in like 2005. Um, So I spent a lot of my young life here and was just always curious about it. I always saw like the flashing sign and everything and the roadie sign. And I was like, gosh, I wonder what it's like in there. And then, you know, I start becoming involved with shows. And first of all, it's beautiful. It's beautiful in here. It's old. It's historic. It's just um, it really draws you in. And it's just, I don't know, it's got this really comforting atmosphere in here. Like it's, when I first had my Wizard of Oz audition, I mean, nothing was going to like ease the nerves because I was just, I was a nervous wreck during that audition it was my first one. But yeah. like now it's like I come in here during my free time on weekends and I help out with things and it's like, I'm just coming home. I don't know. And I, it's not that I don't want to try at other theaters, but I'm, I don't know. That's. Yeah. It's, it's not it really isn't just convenience in fact like i live a lot further away from this theater than i think a lot of other like lakeside players members and cast members do um it's like a 20 minute drive for me depending on the day maybe a little less but i just i don't know i just love it here i can't really put a finger on it but when you love somewhere you're or something you don't it doesn't feel like a drive no matter how far no, it is you no just, it really 20 doesn't. minutes is nothing yeah, yeah. um and you kind of echoed our sentiments from the pilot episode. We both said this place just feels like home in it. And, and of course every theater has, you know, it's, it's members and it's drama at the end of the day. The whole concept is drama, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, we all have each other's backs. We all love each other. We're friends. We actually hang out outside of the theater except Norji. He doesn't like us, but, um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't come to the movies with us. Boo. I mean, neither did I, <laughs> Boo. um, but it does, it just feels like home and it feels like a family. And 
it is so cool to have this group of people who all puts their heart and soul into creating these big art pieces and then coming together to display them for the public. I just, I will echo something I've said many times before, which is this is a place, ironically, where when you come here, you don't have to act, right? You can yeah. be yourself and not feel, um, you, don't, you don't have to feel like an outcast here because everyone, you know, when it comes to theater folks, we're all a little bit on out there, right? We all have our quirks oh, yeah. and idiosyncrasies and we all have our, our, um, our social anxiety and that kind of thing. We don't necessarily fit in perfectly in any one group, but like here, we don't feel like outcasts. We don't feel like we don't belong. We don't feel like we don't have something in common with the people around us. And, and that's a, that's a really refreshing thing because it's hard to sit, not hard to succeed, but it's hard to sometimes put into words how, how um necessary yes it is to be somewhere where you can flex that sort of that weirdness that you have or that 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 scratch that itch that you have that you can't you know you can go out to karaoke with your friends you can go out to dinner with your friends and and then if that's all you do great but like it's not the same right yeah. Th this is our sort of where we can exhaust that creativity and 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 tick that box and, and do the stuff that you don't necessarily get to do in normal everyday life because I know that all the world is a stage, but here it's, it's different. Like, right. you know, you don't necessarily get to put your, um, your ability to act or to be sort of a big personality in your everyday life. Sometimes you have to mute that. Sometimes you have to suppress who you really are so that you can function in society without being, um, looked at like a like a weirdo or like an outcast, but here it's encouraged. And I yeah, I sorry, didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. It just that's what that's what I love about this place. That's what we all love about this place, and that's why it's important that if you're listening, whether you're already involved here or you know you're not involved here, you're welcomed here. Yeah. There's not anybody here that's getting turned away because they're part of the LGBTQ community or because they're a certain um, race or because or if they're disabled. Right, disabled you know, we, or yeah. now if you're a gay Republican investment banker. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You stay in the closet. You hear me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone has a spot here, and yeah. you know, as we said before, we have people here who are you know realtors we have people here who are bankers we have people here who work in human resources and we have people here that are lgbtqia we have people of color here we have people who are on the spectrum here yes and we welcome everyone in and we find a niche for every person that walks through our door and if acting isn't your thing you don't have to come here for acting this i mean there's things everyone has something here that they um, can offer and if acting isn't your thing maybe it's painting maybe it's you know selling concessions maybe it's you know greeting people at the door and giving them their tickets at will call like there's something here for everybody social media yes social media yeah there's so much to offer here and um if you've ever if you've ever thought in your to yourself whether recently or not so recently like I wish I had a place where I could go and fit in and, and find people that are like me that I don't necessarily fit in in everyday society. Come on down. We'll, we'd love to have you. Even if, even if it means that you're not on stage or building sets or anything, you know, we'll find something and you're always welcome here. We don't want anyone to feel left out or like they can't contribute. Um, 
we'll give you a tour. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll sing a show. Maybe even a ghost you. tour. Wait, what? Well, mm-hmm. Who said that? Mm-hmm. A ghost? We're currently sitting downstairs next to the haunted bathroom. Yep. <laughs> it's haunted by the beer cans of shows past, but. <laughs> um, so again, uh, Avenue Q, February 16th through March 2nd, uh, runs three weekends. Tickets are available on the website, roadiecenter.org. That's R-H-O-D-E, uh, center.org. And you can purchase tickets there. You could maybe even purchase tickets at the door if there's any left. Um, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you, obviously. I and wouldn't you can... wait if I were you get your tickets right now. Oh, right now, right as you're listening to this. Agreed. Go do it. If you're listening now, visit roadiecenter.org immediately, post haste, and acquire your tickets. Stat. Um, do it. And oh. you can also join us on social media. We do have a Facebook page, The Lakeside Players, where you we will post all kinds of promotional material and details to get to the website and the dates of not just this show, but upcoming shows and audition notices and various events that we're holding. We also do have a TikTok, Roadie Center for the Arts, R-H-O-D-E, Center for the Arts, where we'll post promotional videos. And um, I'm going to try to start doing some more fun interstitial theater-specific, not just show-specific videos that go on it. Um, yeah, there's lots of ways to follow along with what we're doing here and how to keep up. And, you know, obviously this theater has been around for a very long time. And so there's lots of people who know that this theater exists, but don't necessarily know what we do here or the kinds of events that we have going on. And so we're trying to expand the way that we reach out to people, this podcast being one of them. And so there's a way for everyone to sort of get on board as far as seeing and hearing um the things that we have to offer so you know the website the social media uh you can just come down you know like i said we uh we're always looking for people and volunteers and members um Um, Alyssa, what would you like to see where would you like to see your roadie experience go like do you want to continue just being an actor would you like to branch out into doing other things or Yeah, I think I definitely want to try my hand at doing more of the behind the scenes work. So um, helping out like stage managers. I don't know if I would jump in right into being a stage manager, but maybe just helping with props backstage or maybe like at least shadowing or maybe assisting with lights and sound. Like I think all of those aspects are really interesting too and require a lot of really good skills um, that I could develop within myself. Um, the one thing about working behind the scenes is it, it it gives you a lot of perspective about how it really takes a village to to mount a show. It's yes. not, you know, obviously you come to see a show and you see what happens on stage, but when you really think about it, someone had to paint the set, someone had to build the set, someone had to do the props, someone had to call the show, someone had to design lights right, and sound. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot. So because um, what people don't think about is without lights and sound, we're just a bunch of weirdos pretending on stage to silence. <laughs> right. So yeah. like those like that is kind of to me the unsung hero because so much magic can just happen with the changing of lights. Beauty and the Beast, there was some light stuff going on in that show that I think truly created magic in that show. Absolutely. Totally. So shout out Zach. 
Shout out Zach for sure. Um, and this is the first of hopefully many um, episodes where we talk to people involved with Avenue Q, um, you know, and we're trying to get some people some some FaceTime and some time to really get to know the folks. But um, before we wrap it up here, Alyssa, um, one thing that uh, we enjoy doing is um, this this Stephen Colbert um, has the late late show on CBS and he's got what's called the Colbert questionnaire and it's really it's a silly thing but it's um you know the 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 premise is like celebrities come onto the show and they only have you know seven minutes to really get to know people and pitch their products but there's really no uh there's really no time to really get to know someone and so they develop this questionnaire as a way to sort of get under the surface of each person to really Ooh. find out what they're all about. So you are going to be subjected to the Colbert questionnaire. Oh, I'm in the hot seat. Oh and, boy. and these don't have to be, um, you know, just fire off whatever you think. There's no wrong answer here. Just uh, whatever you want to answer is good. All right. So number one, what's the best sandwich? Um, a club. I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Classic, like ham and cheese, you know, tomatoes, lettuce, all the fresh veggies. Uh, number two, what's one thing that you own that you should really throw out? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, probably my treadmill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just never use it. There's you a mean, lot of treadmills. Maybe not that, throw it out, but give it away. You mean it's not a coat hanger? There's a lot of treadmills <laughs> that turn into coat racks. Yeah. Um, number three, what's the scariest animal? A spider. Mm. Mm-hmm. Number four, apples or oranges? Oranges. Number five, have you ever asked someone for their autograph? Yes. Who was it? Um. Okay, at Summerfest last summer, I saw Walk the Moon Live. It's a band that I've loved um, ever since I was in high school. I've been listening to them ever Shut since back then. Shut up and dance with me. Is that the? Is yeah, that yeah, okay. yeah. But they have so much like good, like fun, like techie sounding music. It's and they're like I would categorize them as rock i guess but at the end of the concert we like stormed the stage and like you know not in a dangerous way it wasn't <laughs> i i didn't get crushed or anything too close um, to january 6th too close to january 6th <laughs> torches and too and soon pitchforks um but we like demanded an encore and um just the lead singer came back out and he sang us um lean on like we all need somebody to lean on yeah that one um and then he came down and you know started greeting fans and i got his autograph cool and then shortly after that they actually walk the moon the band actually announced a hiatus so it was you got the last autograph i might have gotten one of the last autographs from pre-hiatus yeah Mm. hang on to that i also got an autograph from leslie odom jr um, who was Aaron Burr in Hamilton. No Ooh. kidding. So, yeah, yeah. That's a good autograph, too. Yeah. Exciting. Am I the only one on planet Earth who hasn't seen Hamilton? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, he actually was like a guest on... Um, he was a guest at a Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra concert, and mm. my friend got me tickets for my birthday to go and see it. So he just sang with uh, an orchestral accompaniment. Um, next question. It's a little deep. What do okay. you think happens when we die? Oh, um... I think, oh geez, I think that we enter like another universe, honestly. I don't know. Like, I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Or I think I think there's like a couple different pathways. Maybe you get like recycled as a soul and you become like another creature or person on Earth or you might get blasted off somewhere else in space. I don't know. I want to come back as cheese. <laughs> we get launched out of a cannon. In another- <laughs> <laughs> like Did you maybe, say you want to come back as cheese? <laughs> maybe the idea of like heaven or hell comes from like the idea like being like put in another place somewhere within the universe or another universe, like a multiverse situation. And it's either way better than where we are now so i.e heaven or way worse than where we are now i.e hell i think it depends on which which dr strange is there whether Mm -hmm. it's heaven or hell so there's yeah uh number seven favorite action movie um the matrix it's a great answer uh number eight favorite smell um i really like like musky vanilla it's like, okay, it's perfume I have. It's like vanilla musk, but I realized it's like my favorite smell in the whole world. Vanilla is one of those smells though, just, mm. Mm. Um, least favorite smell. Wet towels. That's... Like old, like wet, t- like wet laundry. Like oh, if like you left mildewy? your, yes. Like yes. if you left your laundry in for too long and specifically, I don't know why I thought of towels. Maybe I guess towels no, are no, like towels. the stinkiest yeah, you know, you're right. laundry option. Because they hold a lot of moisture. Yes. Um, Exercise, is it worth it? Not according to uh, her treadmill answer. Right. <laughs> I I don't think that exercise should have any specific guidelines. I think as long as you're moving your body in a way that makes you happy and feel good, I think that's great. <laughs> her treadmill is listening to this like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I don't like walking or running very much, I realize, which is um, funny because I did track in high school. But Me, me too. <laughs> Her treadmill has exited the chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, flat or sparkling? Oh, water? Uh, sparkling. Uh, what is the most used app on your phone? Um, Instagram. Mm. Probably. You get to listen. You get one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Um, In the Kitchen by Renee Rapp. Wow, that's the fastest anyone's rattled off an answer right? for that question. I'm obsessed with Renee Rapp right now. So um, Number 14, what number am I thinking of? How many of? questions are there? Damn. Um, oh, this is the number one. Uh, 70. No. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> We're going to have to. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and finally, describe the rest of your life in five words. The rest? Oh. Um... Hopefully not any four-letter um, swear words, <laughs> expletives. <laughs> um, adventurous, um, successful, rich, famous, and relaxing. You know, we've done this questionnaire with another group of people, and every person did a five-person sentence, and nobody thought to do five different individual words. Yeah. I know. I was like, I thought about combining it into like a phrase, but I was like, that's too much work. I'm just gonna pick five individual words that I want to apply to my life. That's I mean, so smart. I mean, again, <laughs> work smarter, no, not harder. There's <laughs> no wrong answer. You yeah. answer how you want to, but uh, you know, that's the questionnaire is the questionnaire for a reason. You get to answer it how you want to. There's Yay. No wrong way to eat a Reese's, I think. That was a thing, right? Was that their tagline for a while? I thought it was Kit Kat. I thought it was there's no wrong way to skin a cat. This went way off in a different direction. We digress collectively. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. Uh, From all of us here at the uh, Lakeside Players, 
on behalf of Alex and myself for the Roadie Roundtable presented by Lakeside Players. Thank you, Alyssa, for joining us today and having a great conversation. It was an honor to be here. And don't forget Avenue Q, February 16th through March 2nd. Uh, tickets available on roadiecenter.org. 20 bucks a piece or $18 for seniors and students. Uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram, mm-hmm. MySpace, and all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Yes, indeed. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Good night. Bye.